Thanks for listening to the podcast from Old Town Church in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Old Town Church is passionate about making disciples for the glory of God in Old Town and around the world by inviting people to know the gospel, experience biblical community, and live on mission. If you're in the Rock Hill area, we invite you to join us for worship every Sunday. If you're not in our area, we encourage you to find a gospel-believing church near you. We hope this podcast is a blessing to you as we seek to follow Jesus and the grace of his gospel. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, Old Town Church. My name is Trevor King. This is my wife, Ashley, and we are covenant partners uh, here at Old Town. Today's scripture reading is from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. And this is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Morning, church. My name is Matthew. I'm one of the the pastors here at at Old Town and uh, just excited to continue our series in in 1 Timothy today. And just want to, um, like, this is a non-sermon, like, pastoral moment for us. Like, here's something that's cool. Uh, We have a lot of new faces um, that have been coming to be a part of our faith family. And uh, I want to encourage us in two realms in that. One, uh, meet them. Like, uh, it's, it's great that people are coming, but our desire is, is to, to be known by others and to know others. And so part of that is like, I can't meet everybody. And, and, you know, and so this is like a group effort, right? So like, we all do this together. So if you're sitting near somebody and you're like, I don't even recognize that person, or I saw them once and there's the dude with the mustache, like go meet dude with the mustache um, and get their name and just, uh, just, just welcome them here. And, and in that way, we can get to know one another. Um, and so I don't, I, you know, I don't feel like we have to have uh, gummy bear challenges in order for us to get to know one another. That's just the fun on top of it, which by the way, in case you didn't see the results, Albany's gummy bears did win the challenge. I did not rig it, but uh, those are my favorite. And we basically had this contest so that I could prove that. Um, so uh, go buy some from your local grocery store. Um, the, the second thing in that is uh, there's more people in here which is really cool. We actually only had 96 chairs set out for the first uh, two and a half years of being, or two years of being in this building. And somebody back in November was like, hey, I really feel like we need more chairs. And, and, uh, and somebody graciously donated the money to buy uh, new chairs. Here's the reality. The number of people we've been having sit in these chairs the last few weeks, we would not have been able to fit in the chairs we used to set out. Now, this is something I wanna to point to, that's God's provision. Like God provided that. He knew he's provided that. Now, here's some other things that we need, and we want to start praying that God would provide. Uh, One of those is more space and volunteers in our kids' spaces. So you're like, oh, great. He's going to hit us up to be kids' volunteers. And yes, I am. Um, And and it's because uh, we want... Uh, Every week we want to provide safe environments for kids to hear and respond to the gospel. 
That's the number one goal for us in OTC Kids. This is not child care. This is not someone just watching your kid while you're in here. This is like gospel deposit into these children. And we're going to need coming up soon more space, more volunteers. So join us in praying for that. And if the Lord leads you to be a part of that, you can uh, reach out to anybody on staff. Jamie Armstrong is in, in charge of that area. But we want to, this is not like a guilt message you should serve. This is like, let's pray about that. Ask the Lord would provide the people to disciple the kids of Old Town Church and the space as well. So those are some things we can, can be praying about. Um, and, uh, but all of that to say, so excited that we're here, so excited to see these new faces and uh, just excited about what the Lord is gonna do in and through us. And that's really the crux of the message today here in 1 Timothy chapter two. Now, uh, we have probably all in some way or another uh, hoarded something. Like you've probably hoarded something to yourself. Now, uh, this is most prevalent probably at Halloween uh, where you get candy and you're like, no, this is mine. Like um, when I was a kid, I labeled my bag. Like this is my bag. You can't touch the candy in this bag. And then parents sneak the candy out, whatever. But you, you hoard, sometimes we hoard things. So we can either, we can either hoard good things to ourselves, all right? or we could be generous with those things. Um, one of my children, whom I will not name, uh, does an excellent job Halloween. He's like, hey, these are like the three kinds of candy I like, everyone can have everything else. Or this kid at school likes this and he'll take bags of candy to other people. There's a generosity in that. So we can either hoard something that's good and we love, or we can be generous with that very thing. And, and, and this is at the foundation of what we're gonna talk about today. And the question that all of us in here need to wrestle with is this, are we going to hoard the gospel or are we going to be generous with the gospel? Are we going to hoard that gospel message to ourselves and enjoy all of the goodness of it to ourselves or is it going to be something that we're generous with and we share with others? And, and that's our, our big idea for today is this, that the missional heart of God compels us to pray for and proclaim the gospel to all people. The missional heart of God compels us to pray for and proclaim the gospel to all people. God's heart is one of generosity. Even like Brian just said that the Lord is, is kind and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. We just sang of his goodness a moment ago that God is a giver. He is a God of abundance. He is a God out of love. And out of that abundant love flows this, this mission for people to know him. He wants to know them. He wants people to know him. He is kind and gracious and generous. And we're going to see that today as we study 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. So let me pray for us as we dive into God's word together. Father, uh, it is by the power of your spirit that we even understand what your scripture teaches us. And so we thank you and we ask that you would help us to understand your word today. And Father, it's also by the power of your spirit that we can live out the truths that we will learn today. And so we come to you this morning in dependence. First of all, just saying, will you help us understand your word? And then second of all, would you help us to apply your word in our lives this week? And so Lord, would you lead and guide and strengthen us today? And thank you that you have spoken to us through your word. As your name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 through 7. The first thing I want us to see here in this passage is that God calls us to pray for his mission. God calls us to pray for his mission. Look at verses one and two. It says, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, 
that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Uh, the first thing that Paul says is, first of all then, all right? And, and it's important for us as we're reading God's word, when we come to a phrase like that, it's the beginning of a new section, all right? Paul has started off this new section in this letter that he's written to Timothy. And, and in that, as, as we're looking and studying God's word, understanding how this is structured helps us understand what the scripture is saying. And, and so when we can see this and understand, like this is a new section and, and Paul is, is really going to be pointing to something much larger than this, but it begins right here that he's going to end in chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. And so what I, I want us to see is, is Paul's going to state his purpose in about a chapter, two chapters later from right here. And this is it. In, in chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, Paul says this. I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things so that, so here's Paul's purpose of this section we're studying and beginning today. If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. So that one may know how, you, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. What Paul has done in this section that we're starting today is a section on how the church ought to behave when they gather, as they are as a people. So not just the public worship gathering, but who we are as the people of God. Paul's going to give instructions for that. And so every week, we're going to study these passages where Paul's giving instructions to the church on how they ought to behave. And, and, but it doesn't just help us. Now, it's going to be really helpful for us to understand that next week, all right? That, that understanding is going to help us really uh, um, interpret what the Scripture is teaching us next week, but it's really important for us this week as well. It, it helps us. Uh, Paul had already spent chapter one talking about this danger in the church of false doctrine, and they had false teachers that were teaching things that weren't true. And so we have that as our background in light of that. Now we know how we ought to behave, and Paul begins with prayer. First of all, then, at the beginning of everything I'm about to instruct you, I'm urging you to pray, to pray for all people. And, and he says, he doesn't just say pray. He says, I urge you then that supplications, he uses four words here, uh, supplications, which is like asking someone with urgency. Sometimes my kids um, supplicate for themselves, right? They come up to me like, I need a snack right now. You know, it's like this, I'm going to die if I can't have applesauce. And so, so there's this, uh, uh, that's a supplicate. It's an urgent request for something, okay? Um, I'm sorry, not my kids. They don't do that. My kids are awesome. I'm sure other people's kids do that. Okay, uh, supplications, prayers. This is just a general word for prayer. This is us talking to God, nothing to new in that. Intercessions, weird word. Uh, that's to speak on behalf of someone else. And, and so if I were to, to want to, to pray for Eli here, um, I would be interceding for him. I'm going to pray to God for Eli. I'm, I'm interceding for Eli. All right. I'm praying on behalf of somebody else. That's what it means to, to intercede. And then thanksgivings is to express thanks. All right. So we know that one too, right? Like we're going to express gratitude to God for what he's done. So these four things, we've got um, uh, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings. The idea is not like, here are four ways you should pray every time you pray. This isn't a list meant to be followed, but an idea that there is a holistic way 
about our prayers, that, that our prayers involve these things, that they're all part of the way that we pray. And so this, this idea being uh, that we're going to pray all kinds of ways for all kinds of people, right? Like, I want you to do these things, pray all kinds of ways. And he says, for all people. And as Paul is giving instructions for how the church ought to behave, he's saying that at the foremost, the church should be a praying people, that, that we are a people of prayer, characteristics of when the church gathers should be prayer, that they're going to pray together. Prayer should mark our worship gatherings. Prayer should mark our small groups. Prayer should mark our meetings. Prayer should mark our appointments with one another. When the people of God gather, they should be a, a praying people. And so ideally when people ask the question, what do you think Old Town Church is up to right now? Hopefully people say, well, they're probably praying. Those people, they're always praying. All right, that would be a goal for us to, to seek to attain. That we're just, man, this, the people of Old Town Church, they're just always praying. Every time they're there, like, they're just always, always praying. I would love for people to roll their eyes and be like, they're always praying. That would be great. All right, this is our, our goal, church. The church should be a praying people. And so Paul's urging the church towards that foundation of prayerfulness, praying all types of prayers for all types of people. And so the church is to be a praying community. I, I think for us, the question we need to ask ourselves in reflection as a faith family this morning is, are we? Are we a praying people? We know we, we should be that, and this is not a shame, shame if you're not, but a self-reflection and maybe a corporate reflection, are we a praying people? Is that true of us? And I, and I just want to challenge you this morning that if we're going to be this type of church, then you need to be that type of person. That it's, it's each of us individually growing in this way that's going to make us be that way corporately as a body. You be the one who says, why don't we stop right now and just pray about that? That thing that you just shared with me, like we'll just stop and we'll just pray right now. You be the one who comes early on Sunday mornings and tailgates by sitting in the parking lot and just praying for our gathering. Like, man, I would love, man, if, if, if it would be awesome if there are just cars parked in the parking lot and the cars are running and people are just praying. You be the one gathering your small group to go pray for someone else or to prayer walk through our city. You be the one who commits to our, our monthly prayer gathering as we gather together and just say, okay, Lord, have your way amongst us. Don't look around for others to start this. It begins with you. It's each of us individually doing this that makes us be that corporately, and that's how we can pursue that as a church. And in verse 2, it's not just praying all kinds of prayers for all kinds of people. Paul specifically comes in and says, and for kings and all people who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful life, godly and dignified in every way. This idea of these kings and those who are in high positions are, are rulers, those who enforce rules, those who are in authority, whether that's an authority of power or an authority of leadership, that we pray for those people. And I think the nature of this idea is that we're praying for the salvation and the guidance of those people, that, that there is a, a general, the whole theme of this passage is a prayerfulness for those who are lost, a prayerfulness for the spiritual health and salvation of leaders and of all people. And, and so uh, that prayer is, is not only for those who are in positions of authority in our government, uh, but just people in your own life, whether it be, I mean, students, you could be praying for your teachers, for, for your school administrators, for your principals, that you would 
be those who are, when you're sitting in your math class and you're like, this guy, again, with the, the numbers and the whatever, like, pray for him and then pray for yourself that you would pay attention. Uh, you're probably daydreaming if you're praying for your teacher during class, but that's fine, all right? If you're going to daydream, do it that way. But for all of us that we're praying for our bosses, that we're praying for church leaders, that we're praying for community leaders, that we would pray in that way for those who are in positions of authority. Uh, but the passage does specifically, I think, call out governmental leaders, that we would be praying for those who are in positions of authority in our government. Now, the concern here is not who you politically align with. So this is not like, okay, I'll pray for the ones that I like, or I like their positions, or I agree with them. Uh, this has nothing to do with who you agree with or support politically. Uh, the idea and the charge is just to pray for them, whoever they are. And, and so that we're praying for their salvation. We're praying for their spiritual growth, for their spiritual health. We're praying for their leadership and their decision-making. Now, I want to just say what's obvious. We are embarking on my least favorite time of every four years. And it's this political season we've got going on. It started already. We've got the signs up everywhere, commercials. I'm getting all these cards about how awful this other person is. And, and, and so all of that started. And I just want to, church, I want to encourage us in one thing. That the first thing we do as we engage politics is just pray. That the first thing we would do as we engage conversation on politics is we would just pray. That we would be a people of prayer as we engage that 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 would mark, and here's the beauty of it, if we're praying first before we engage any of that, the Lord gives us a, a humility in which we engage those conversations. But I, I just, I, I will say, we're entering a season that's polarizing, a season in which the enemy seeks to divide the church. And I just wanna remind us, and we will try and do this for, for this faith family over the next you know, six months or whatever, that we are united, the thing we are united in is the gospel. That's the thing we build the foundation on, all right? And so the thing we unite in here together, we celebrate together, is the gospel. It's Jesus Christ. We celebrate that. And so let's, let's lead out by being a prayerful people, even in this, but praying for our leaders, praying for all of those that are involved in the elections and, and keeping the main thing the main thing, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Paul, Paul says we, we're going to pray for those people so that, that we may live a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. The, the goal of these prayers is a peaceful path for gospel proclamation. That's the hope here, that as, as we're praying for the leaders, we're praying for their salvation, we're praying for an environment that's created in which the gospel can go forth. And so, and so it, the idea here is, is Paul is even in multiple of his other letters encouraging the people of Jesus Christ to live quiet and godly lives in submission to their leaders, that we give to Caesar what's his and give to, that there's this realm in which we are a people who is displaying a humble submission to those who are in authority. Partly with the hopes that there's a credibility that's developed that gives freedom for the gospel to go out. The goal of a peaceful and quiet life is that the peace, peace is not meant to be consumed personally, but to be spent missionally. So as you talk about hoarding, hoarding or being generous, like this peaceful, quite honestly, right now in America, it's a peaceful environment for the gospel to go forth, all right, comparative to other countries. And so that peace that we get, we get to gather today without fear that someone's going to come drag us out of this building without fear that someone will try and light the building on fire while we're here. 
that the building won't get condemned or closed down this week just because we are followers of Jesus Christ. There's a peace that we enjoy right now. And the idea that Paul is, is laying forth is that peace is not meant to be hoarded for our own. Oh, good, let's just enjoy that. Yes, we enjoy it. But it's a peace that's meant to be spent missionally, that we have the freedom to share the gospel in this country. And so we're praying for our leaders that we can have that so that the gospel can go out and that we can then live in a godly and dignified way, that these, these external attributes of a follower of Jesus Christ are a display to others of what it is to be in Jesus. And so kids, students, college kids, adults, listen, you have a, you have a part in the mission of God. Every one of us in this room right now, if you are sitting in one of these seats, you are a part of the mission of God on this earth. Every believer, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a part in the mission of God. We can all join in in this prayerfulness towards a, a peaceful state in which the gospel can go forth. And so God calls us to pray for his mission, to pray in line with his mission, be praying for the salvation of those who don't know Christ. The second thing we can see in verses three through six is that God imparts the motivation for his mission. We're gonna see what, what motivates that mission and, and as a result motivates us towards being in that mission. In those first few verses, we were given this call to prayer. We were urged to pray. Now in these verses, we're gonna see that, that motivation. We're gonna see three things basically. God's pleasure, God's desire, and God's work. That's what we're gonna see in these three verses. God's pleasure, his desire, and his work. In verse three, he says this, this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our savior. That this, this, this prayerfulness, this commitment to praying in this type of way, it's pleasing to God. God is pleased with that. Now that phrase really stood out to me, partly because I'm a pleaser. This is one of my struggles in life. I'm a people pleaser. And so I'm always constantly working through that. But when we talk about like what pleases God, like my ears perk up a little bit. Like here in scripture, it's blatant and clear. There is something that pleases God. Well, what is that thing? Because I, I want to do that thing. Not out of fear or shame or anything else, but just out of love for what Paul refers to as God, our savior. Like I, I want to do the thing that pleases God. I'm motivated towards that. And so what we see here is God's pleasure. God's pleasure is his children committing to this type of prayer, this prayer for the lost, this prayer for all people, this prayer for our leaders. And so it pleases God. That's God's pleasure. In verse four, we see God's desire. It says, uh, you know, God, our savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Here we see the heart of God. It's his desire that all would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. We, we see here his desire. It doesn't mean for clarity that all people will be saved, all right? There's not an, an all-inclusive experience of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's only by grace through faith in Jesus that we are saved. And so not all people will be saved, but God's heart, his desire is that all people will be saved. And so the focus of the mission is that we take the gospel to all people. And church, I hope that's a challenge to us, that it's, it's why we engage here locally in places like Ebenezer Avenue Elementary School, which is hard to say. I have to really focus when I say those words that tomorrow morning, a group of people from our church are gonna go take breakfast to the teachers over there. 
that we serve meals and, and try to invest in the lives of the kids at the children's attention home. That on the, the second Wednesday, this month it's the third Wednesday, but the second Wednesday of every month, we, we go and we serve a meal and we try and engage the, the kids there. That uh, the women of the Lifehouse Women's Shelter and the Havens Men's Shelter, that we want to just be in the lives of these people and be around them and serve them, hopefully to display the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. This is why we're partnering with a church plant in Bangkok, Thailand, to, to be a part of the gospel going out in a way that the people of Bangkok realizing that Buddhism, which is the primary religion there, that's solely built on behavioral performance in order to earn salvation, that they would see one day that that, that doesn't actually work. That can't carry through. You can't, they'll, they'll pay money at the temple uh, to, to receive a sort of a credit for their bad works. It's this exchange system, all right? That they, they, they make atonement for the things that they've done. And so that the, the gospel can go out in a way that they can see their actual spiritual state and then put their faith in Jesus. That's why we partner in Bangkok. And, and, and we pray. We're motivated by the heart of God for the lost, and we pray accordingly. And as we think about praying, and, and does, does prayer actually work? I just want to give you a specific story from this last week. Last week, we stood on this stage, and, and Katie Motzinger shared an update on Bangkok, and we prayed because that church plant... BCBC, Bangkok City Baptist Church, uh, was going to get kicked out of their building. And I don't think it was like a persecution thing. It was more just like a, they, they weren't allowed to have it anymore. And so they need a space to meet. And, and so we sat on the stage, we prayed, God, would you provide a place for them? And I got an update this morning, just this morning, that yesterday they signed a three-year lease on a space that can be their church's home for the next three years. Church Yes, we need to celebrate this. Like, here's the reality. Like, God is moving in Bangkok, and he's moved by the prayers of his people. This church, there is a hub of the gospel going out in Bangkok now for the next three years. It's beautiful. And God's not just working in Bangkok, he's working here too. And the hope even, as, I, as I'm talking about Bangkok, is we're putting a team together to go serve this church at the end of May, and we would love for you to be a part of it. And you might be saying, I don't know if I can afford that. Don't, God will provide that. God is going, last year, God provided the money for our team to go. He will do that again. The question is, is God calling you to go be a part of that? As we go, we are gonna do a kid's camp and we're gonna, we're gonna teach Thai people English, but we're gonna be teaching them the gospel in English. Like, come be a part of us going into some of the slums of Bangkok and sharing the gospel with those who are far from Christ. We love, if you want to be a part of that team, come find me. We've got to get this team together in a couple of weeks, so come find me. But, but church, we have an opportunity to go be a part of it, but all of us have an opportunity to support that and to pray towards that. So we've seen God's pleasure. We've seen his desire that all people would come to salvation and the knowledge of the truth. And then in verse 5 and 6, we see his work, which is salvation. God's work is the reconciliation of those who are far from Christ with himself through his son, Jesus. All right, verse 5 says this, For there is one God, which we sang about earlier, holy, holy, holy. There is no one besides you. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Let there be no mistake 
If you want to know what God, God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, do you want to know what that truth is? It's this. He states it right here. There's one God. There's one true God. So many people in our community, so many people in our state and across the world believe in many gods or a false God, but there is one true God. Isaiah 45 is one of my favorite passages. But it says this, I am the Lord and there is no other. There's no God besides me that people may know from the rising to the setting of the sun, there is no one besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. Church, there's one true God. And this is the foundation of the gospel message. And he says there is only one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. Now, um, if, can, hey, uh, Will and William, could you guys come up here real quick? I'm not going to embarrass you, all right? Unless you're embarrassed by being up here, and for that, I'll apologize later. So this is what we're going to do. Just visual display. Okay, Will, you be over here. You get to be God, okay? So William is God, and Will is all of us. You represent all of us, so you're not alone. Okay, so this is what happened. Y'all get, y'all be together. Okay, so because of our sin, we're separated from God, all right? We see the separation, all right? There is a, a gap here between us and God. Now, I get to be Jesus because I'm, I'm in charge of the mic. So, uh, so what happens is Jesus, it says here, he's our mediator. So Jesus steps in and a mediator represents God to man. And the mediator also represents man to God. All right. So this is what mediation looks like. It's mediating between two people. Jesus steps in. He stands in the gap between us and God. He's our reconciler. Now, what it means to reconcile, I won't make you guys hug. I normally would. But uh, so to, what it means to reconcile is this, that the, the mediator is bringing the two sides together and I'll be the one who hugs in the middle. Okay. So they're reconciling. They're together. Everything's good. Y'all can sit down. That was it. That was it. Just visual, like for us to see what sin does, it separates and the mediator steps in and reconciles, okay? And so that's what Jesus did. There's one mediator. There's only one. I can't do that. A lot of times we think our good works can do that. Like if I'm good enough, that will get me back in relationship. Your good works are not a mediator. There is only one, and it's Jesus Christ. And so no, no matter amount of good you do, it cannot reconcile you back to God. There's only one mediator. He's our, our reconciler. He made it possible for us to be in relationship with God again. And it says in verse six that Jesus did this by giving himself as a ransom. Well, no, what's a ransom? And you've seen, you've seen enough TV to know what a ransom is, right? Like someone's kidnapped or, or stolen or whatever, and, and there's a ransom note, like, and it's always cut out of magazines. And it's like, send this amount of money and we'll give you your person or your thing back or whatever. So a ransom is this amount of money or something that you pay in order to free something from bondage, to free it from prison. And so what Jesus did, and, and, and if you could for a moment, just close your eyes. I won't ask you to do this often in service so you don't fall asleep, but I want you to close your eyes. I want you to imagine yourself in, in a jail cell. You're, you're in a cell. You're, you're, in a, you're imprisoned, okay? The Bible says that we were all slaves to sin, that we were enemies of God, that we were living in step with Satan, that we were in bondage to our sin and in need of being freed. So you are imprisoned in your sin. And that we needed a ransom payment to cover the debt created by our own sinfulness. Your sin put you in that prison. Every one of us. And now what I want you to do is just imagine from that prison cell, Jesus walking in, opening the door, taking your place, and then pushing you outside of the prison cell. All right, now you, you can open your eyes. I just wanted you to get a visual 
of what actually is happening here. Jesus gave himself as the ransom payment. He, he put himself in your, he's the one that's going to pay for your sin. He took your place. And what he did was freed you from the prison. He, he's the one mediating between God and yourself. What sin had separated, Jesus mediated. Sin had separated you from God and Jesus mediated that. He paid the penalty for your sin. He stepped in representing God's desire for us to be saved. We've talked about how God wants all people to be saved. Well, what did he do? He sent his son. And that son stood in your place. He walked into the prison cell. He took the form of flesh. He took the form of a man, made himself obedient to death so that he could pay the penalty for your sin. And in doing that, only by grace and only through faith in that one mediator, you're free. There's, there's no debt for you to pay. You are completely and absolutely free. Beyond that, Jesus was like, well, the only way this is actually going to work, if I'm really going to reconcile you to the Father, you have to be righteous. And we're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> I thought it was too good to be true. And Jesus is like, I'm going to give you the credit for my righteousness. I'm going to take the penalty of your sin on myself and I'm going to give you the credit for my righteousness so that you can be with God the Father for all of eternity. This is what it was for him to mediate. This is what it was for him to pay the ransom with his own body. Christ has made that possible. Church, this is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we pray can go out in freedom, that we pray that those who are far from him hear this, and he gives them the faith to respond. So the mission of God is that all would come to the knowledge of this truth, that all would be saved. And that is our motivation. That there are many who don't know. There are many you're going to encounter this week who do not know the beauty of what Jesus Christ has done. A coworker, a classmate, a waiter, a neighbor, a teammate, a family member. We are called to pray for them. And we've been given the motivation for God's mission. And finally, in verse 7, what we see is God sends us out on his mission. That we pray towards it, that he, he gives us the internal motivation as those who've experienced the gospel, and then he sends us out. We've seen God's his pleasure, his desire, his work in verses 3 through 6. In verse 7, we see God's plan. God's plan is this. He's going to send the saved. Look at Paul in verse 7. It says, uh, for this, I, who is Paul, was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying because some people were accusing him of not telling the truth. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. A couple of things. First of all, that Paul was going to the Gentiles was a display of God wanting the gospel to go to all people, right? I mean, step one, for these people at this time, many believe that the message of the gospel is just for the Jews. And Paul's like, no, 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 God has sent me to the Gentiles, which is everybody else. And, and so God sends Paul out to those who some would say, oh, they, they don't deserve that message. And God was like, no, you don't either. So I'm sending, I'm sending them out to everybody. So that, that was number one, that he sent them to the Gentiles. But we've got to remember, he's using Paul as an example to us. Like this guy, not long before, I mean, a couple decades before this was written, because this was near the end of his life. But this guy was persecuting Christians. 
and God saved him and then sent him out to go proclaim the gospel all across the world. And so God sends Paul to, to proclaim the gospel, to, to build healthy churches. And church, we too are, are tasked with sharing the message of the gospel. This is God's plan. God's plan is you. Heads up. You're in the game. God, God's plan for the spread of the gospel was to save you and send you out. His plan is the local church. That the gospel could go out to the nations through God's people, you. Now, there's some responsibility we feel with that, and we should. But here's the reality. Are we going to be hoarders or are we going to be generous? The, the beauty of our personal salvation was not meant to purely be enjoyed by us, but to be shared with others. We're not meant to hoard the gospel, but to share it with others. We are saved and sent. You're converted and commissioned. Oh, geez, I'm sorry. That was, that, that was very bad just to me. Saved and sent, converted. Anyway, you can write it down. It's, it's still good. Old Town Church, our, our mission given to us by God is to proclaim the gospel to all people. We are a people of prayer and we are people of proclamation to make disciples of all nations, the Great Commission. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a mission in life that all the other aspects of your life should serve. Okay, so everything else that God is bringing into your life is meant to serve your one mission of essentially worship and mission, okay? That you would delight in him and help others delight in him. That you would enjoy that salvation and share it with others. Everything else in your life goes to serve that. And so if you think about it, like your finances, your, your energy, your, your talents, all of these things are meant to be used to help others know the one true God. Your possessions, your family, your job, your experiences, your past, your history, all of that is meant to help people know that Jesus Christ has mediated for them and he's made a way for them to be made right with God. This, this church, our building, our finances, this specific group of people, like, you know what the Bible says about you? God sent you to this church. About you, like God sends people to his church because he's like, man, this person is really gifted in this. I need them at Old Town Church because I know what I want to do through Old Town Church. Like God has made you a part of this faith family. Yes, for us to enjoy you and all of your giftedness and all the beauty of your life, but also so that we can go out into our city and across the world to help people know that God desires for them to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And so my question for you is this, how is God calling you to engage his mission? You, not like, sure, you guys go ahead and y'all do that, y'all. Like, I'm asking you personally, how is God calling you to engage his mission? Now, this is not like, don't feel shame in this. Like, I'm sure you're, I'm, I'm, I see our, I see you guys. Like, y'all are living in beautiful ways. 
I want to encourage you, church. Like I see y'all spinning yourself and sacrificing for the sake of the gospel, serving one another. That, that just the, the way you have loved one another in this faith family, the Bible says that your love for one another is going to let others know that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. I think that's been on display in our church. And so I see that in us. And at the same time, I see it and I, I, I want to keep us focused on that. That God has called and equipped you for his mission. And that, that brings us back to our big idea. This big idea that the missional heart of God compels us to pray for and proclaim the gospel to all people. Later on today, go back through your Bible and just circle the word all. You're going to see it when you go through these, these seven verses. This idea of God's great love for all people and that we are sent to all people. He has saved us and given us the internal motivation to pursue his mission. And we do that both by praying for the lost, but also the proclamation of the gospel. I found this quote by John Stott. I think it summarized this passage really well. It says, God's desire, which we saw, and Christ's death, that ransom payment, concern all people. Therefore, the church's duty concerns all people too reaching out to them both in earnest prayer and an urgent witness. Church, this is our mission. This is what we are called to. We pray for and we proclaim. And so, Old Town Church, I just, a question for us. Let's just make this personal this morning, all right? What kind of church are we going to be? Like, we're young. We're, we're three years in. There's a lot of culture to be shaped among us. And I see God doing beautiful things in who he is making us to be. And I don't, I don't think it's an accident that in this particular season, we are walking through these particular passages and he is calling us. He is calling us to enjoy what he has created inside of these walls and take that outside of these walls. And so if we're going to be that, it's going to require each of us just daily saying, Lord, will you help me see where you have put me specifically, how you have created me uniquely to be a part of the mission that you are calling believers in Jesus Christ to. Can I just say something to encourage you? It's going to look different for everybody. Some of you are like, there is not a chance I would ever get up in front of a microphone and proclaim the gospel to people. But you don't have, like, that's, that's not the only way to do it. Maybe I'm going to tell you one of the most simple things you can do is ask a waiter or waitress how you can pray for them. I've very few times in my entire life have I gotten a negative response to that. There are simple things we can do, simple things in everyday life. And so my, my challenge for us, is let's just pray like, God, would you show me how to do that? Would you help me with that? When you pray that, like you're praying right in line with him, like he wants to show you how to do that. And so you're saying, I want you to show me how to do that, all right? So you're just praying, you're going downstream, right? You're not swimming upstream with that one. You're praying right in line with what God wants to do. Now, I, I do wanna give you a specific way as a church that, that, uh, that we, are, we are wanting to call you to something more over the next 40 days. Uh, we're, we're gonna do something, uh, it's, a, it's a prayer challenge called four for 40, all right? And this is, for the next 40 days, beginning on Wednesday, so you got a couple days to decide, am I in on this or am I not, all right? For the next 40 days, beginning Wednesday, you're gonna set aside four minutes 
four minutes a day. You're going to commit four minutes a day to pray for four specific prayer prompts that we have. All right? And so four for 40, it's simple, it's easy, but it's going to take a commitment from you. And the other thing we're going to, we've added on to that is not just praying those four prayers for four minutes a day for the next 40 days, but we're also asking you that at some point over that course of time, that you would plan a time to go prayer walk somewhere. You're like, what's a prayer walk? It's where you walk somewhere and you pray at the same time. So it's actually way more simple than, it's not complex, okay? And so you can go to uh, your neighborhood. You can go to uh, Fountain Park. You can go, I, the number of times uh, I've walked up and down Main Street and just prayed. And we're just praying for this. I mean, the, our prayer prompts are in line with our passage today. We're praying for the lost and praying for the proclamation of the gospel and that God would use us as a faith family towards that. And so what we're asking is that you would consider committing to that and that you would let us know that you have committed to that. Now, there's not shame. We're not going to go through and be like, oh, notice Megan Cavan didn't sign up for the prayer challenge. Like, and then you don't get a phone call. We're not going to do it like that. This is between you and the Lord. But we are saying, if you're going to do it, let us know, because we want to pray for you. We want to send out encouragements to those who have committed to that. But I'm going to tell you this, church, like one of the greatest works we can do as a faith family is pray. It, 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 is, it is one of the primary works we are called to. And so, so I just want to challenge us as a, as a people to pursue the Lord in prayer, but specifically prayer for the lost. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for us right now. And if, we'll, we'll send out more information on that prayer challenge. If you don't get emails from us, write your name and email on a Connect card and stick it in the basket in the back, and we'll make sure you're on our mailing list because we send out all this information. So let me, let me pray for you, church. Father, we, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. You said you desire for all people to be saved, and you made a way for it to happen. And so we see your heart for us in the way that you've sent your son. And God, I just pray for myself, for all of us in here, that you would, Lord, that you would just have, have your way in us in these days ahead, whether it be through the, the prayer challenge, whether it just be through our, our daily lives, like trying to see what you're calling us to. God, would you... Would you show us what you want and then empower us to do it? Give us the strength, Lord, because we, we don't have it on our own. We just need it from you. And so, Lord, would you help us, please? That is in your name, through the name of Jesus, that we can pray to a God who is compassionate and kind and abounding in steadfast love. Father, thank you. Amen.